Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome, uh, welcome this morning. Glad you're back. Some of you are back from spring break. Some of you are still uh, going to make your way back today. I saw a bunch of the uh, uh, elementary and uh, middle school guys and gals earlier, and they were looking pretty sad. Uh, we go back to school tomorrow, but hey, well, we are in our um, eighth week in a series that we're we're calling uh, "A Life That Wins: The Ten Commandments," and I just want to remind you that uh, why God gave us the Ten Commandments. He first of all uh, did not give them to us in order that we might live in uh, alignment with them, so that then we could be saved. Now we tend to we are really tempted as human beings to get upside down and, and, and think that. No, 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 no. We are saved by grace alone, through faith uh, alone, in Christ alone, and what he accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from uh, the dead. What God says to us is this: once you are saved, once you are forgiven, once you are redeemed um, uh, by me and my grace, then I will teach you a new way to live. I will enable you, I will motivate and enable you to live the way uh, that I intend for people to live. And so he gave us these 10 words as the scriptures call them actually out of the Hebrew or the 10 commandments. And uh, as, as a, uh, a foundation stone, stepping stones for uh, a life that wins. It's the moral code for all humanity that God has uh, for us. And so um, today we're coming uh, back to these, I uh, to the ninth commandment. We'll look at that in just a second. Keep looking at this guy on the screen here. We'll come uh, to him. Uh, I want to, as we come to the ninth commandment, I, I've been living with this one for a long time and really intently for the last week to get ready for this talk uh, and uh, reading a lot about it. And I came across the writings of Pastor Kevin DeYoung in his book on the Ten uh, Commandments. And his chapter in particular on the Ninth Commandment, I couldn't, Melanie, I couldn't say it better than him. So many of, much of what you're going to hear me say today are actually uh, from the thoughts and the pen of Pastor Kevin DeYoung. I recommend his book, by the way, if you um, want to do a follow-up on this uh, on this series. But we come to the Ninth Commandment. Uh, that says, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, uh, Time Magazine over the years consistently comes back to this theme of human beings lying. Uh, like this, uh, it'll be the cover and the cover article in, in Time. Uh, this this uh, cover, lying, everybody's doing it. And uh, that's true, by the way. Uh, this is from October 1992. They had a more recent one you're going to see on the screen uh, here uh, featuring uh, special counsel Robert Mueller and calling him the lie detector. And uh, that's a pretty big job. There is a lie detector. It's not him. There's one that's right every time. And, is, and who is it? That's, yeah, what, it's always a safe answer in church. Who is it? Just say Jesus. Just say God. You're probably going to get it right. Uh, but, the, but even though that's uh, fun, it is true. God is the lie detector, and he always uh, gets it. Uh, Dr. Leonard Keeler, does anybody know what he's famous for? He invented the polygraph, the lie detector. 
machine. And uh, after uh, he had tested approximately 25,000 humans, people, uh, with his uh, polygraph, he made this statement. Human beings are basically deceptive. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, But take a look on the screen. Exodus 20, verse 16. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. This is what God says. Now, God not only cares about truth, God not only cares about justice, but God himself is in his character true and just. He is true and just. In fact, Jesus, God who showed up in the flesh, uh, actually said in John, captured in John 14, I am truth. I am the truth. And so to violate the ninth commandment, is actually a, a, a violation of the very character of God him, himself. And so the question comes, well, pastor, what does this mean? I mean, it looks pretty much clear up front. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, let me unpack this commandment because just like the previous eight words or the previous eight um, commandments, this commandment is full of meaning and full of implications for you and uh, for me. God hates lying in all its forms and for really good reasons. And so uh, we're going to get to work. Let me encourage you to open to your note sheet in your bulletin or if you brought your journal, uh, either turn on or open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 16. And Ryan, can I get a little more in the monitor up here? Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And we're going to get right to work. Let me say it this way. You can live a life that wins. Here's the big point. You can live a life that wins if you tell the truth completely, consistently, compassionately, considerately, and carefully. Uh, The psalmist wrote in Psalm 34, inspired by God's Spirit, Would you like to enjoy life? Do you want long life and happiness? Then keep from speaking evil and from telling lies. Here it is. God is saying, here's why I'm giving you this command. Here's why I'm teaching you to live this way because uh, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to have a long life and, and, uh, and happiness. This is one of the foundation stones of a life that, that wins. Well, in order to know how to tell the truth, we first need to go back and learn what he actually means by not telling the truth about our neighbor. And a a really, really good explanation of what the ninth commandment means, kind of fleshed out in, in, uh, in its fullness, is found in one of the historic statements of faith of the of the Christian church called the Heidelberg Catechism. It was published in 1516, and a kind of an updated English translation of the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, question 112 deals with uh, the ninth commandment and it fleshes it out. Here's what this means. And it's going to be on the screen. Let me read it for you. It means that I never give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, in court, And everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. 
These are the very devices the devil uses, and they would call down on me God's intense wrath. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. So why don't we get a a bigger picture of what this commandment means, its implications for you and me, by unpacking each phrase, looking at each phrase of this statement from the Heidelberg Catechism. And here's the first one. Jot this down. Never give false testimony against anyone. That's almost a repetition of the command uh, itself. And so think about this. this. This command is given in the context of a court of law. Now, again, it was given to the ancient Hebrews through God's selected leader, Moses, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, uh, some scholars say about 3,500 years ago. But they, uh, it, but and again, even then it was given in the context of the court of a court of law in a courtroom. Because when it came to legal matters back in those days, when it came to the law and it came to the determining of the innocence or the guilt uh, of a person, witnesses were everything. They were everything. We had no DNA evidence. We had no forensic science uh, in those days. Uh, it was uh, the word of one person about another. And depending on the offense, someone accused, if someone accused someone of, of wrongdoing and then a second and maybe a third person um, said the same thing, that person could be put to death on the testimony of three people. And so, uh, for example, and God says this in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, the one condemned to die is to be executed on the testimony of two or three witnesses. No one is to be executed on the testimony of a single witness. I mean, even then, God was already saying, I'm not sure we can trust these human beings to tell the truth. So there was no worse way to break this commandment than to bear false witness in court about someone else. I mean, there's no worse way to do it. It could cost someone their life. God took this very, very uh, seriously. This is very serious. Uh, but there, and, and you, we might not be guilty of that, but we, there are more subtle ways to break the ninth commandment, and let's talk about those. Here's the second one, jot it down. Twist no one's words. The Heidelberg Catechism says it that way. Now, this is so easy to do, isn't it? Isn't it? You won't believe what I have heard out in the community that I said to other people. The pastor Keith said, I went to see him and he said so and so. Really? Really? Matter of fact, my vocabulary is rarely as big as other people's. And so, but seriously, we can so easily twist someone's word and we do it naturally all the time. Uh, we pass along our interpretation of happenings, uh, of events, as if it were factual, absolutely correct. Uh, we Im- and we ministers, people like me, who are get up and speak. Uh, the scriptures say, where there are many words, it's easy to sin. Uh, it's it's very easy for me in telling a story to use a certain tone to make it seem like I want it to seem, um, 
we know how to leave out information and we know how to, how to summarize long conversations in a way that make our side look good and the other side look bad, don't we? Sure we do. And we spin things. So he says, this involves twisting no one's words. And there's a third way. The ninth commandment also forbids gossip or slander. Now, gossip is, is passing along a report or a rumor that cannot be proven. It may actually be true, but it cannot be proven. But it's more than that. It's much more than that. Gossip is also passing along a true report when it is unnecessary to do so, when it should not be repeated. You do understand that not everything that's true should be repeated. Well, I'm just telling the truth. How many times have you heard that? Hey, I'm just telling the truth. This is just what happened. I'm not gossiping. Some people try to get out of gossiping by leading into the thing saying, now I'm not gossiping about anybody, but. Well, yeah, you are. That's just that's a lead in. Yes, yes. There, there's some things that, that have happened that are not good. Some, someone did or said or thought or, or caused to happen. And just because it's true does not mean it should be reported. Not on the news and not from your mouth. And not from my mouth. God calls that gossip. Repeating something harmful that is true. Repeating something harmful that is, that is, uh, uh, that is true. It's, this is so serious. God takes this very serious. We take it so serious here that in the member covenant, if you become a member of Dogwood Church and you sign the member covenant, one of the things our covenant says is we commit to Jesus and to each other that we will not gossip. We will not gossip. Now, there are other things in there, and if you want to know what is entailed, then sign up for the Belong class and come on April the 28th, and we'll walk uh, through that. Um, so I, one, uh, if... One say, well, how do I go about this? Well, m- let me give you a couple of strategic questions to ask yourself. You might ask yourself before repeating something that's true. Is it necessary for me to pass along this information? Jot that question down. Before you speak, before you tweet, before you post, is it necessary for me to pass this along? And then follow with this question. Would this person... I'm about to talk about, be happy if I pass along this information. Would it bless them? Would it help them? Would they be helped and happy that I'm passing along this bit of bad news about them, even if it's true? Even if it's true. That's probably the way to go about that. Now, here's the temptation. It's easy to make a friend connection over secrets, isn't it? I mean, people love secrets, especially juicy bad ones. Uh, Look at what God says in Proverbs 18. There is nothing so delicious as the taste of gossip. It melts in your mouth. God said that. There's no faster way to make a friend than to find a mutual enemy. Only by, by only saying what is true. You know, the leaders of organizations or employers or, or managers, the people under them, under their supervision, they're the recipients of this all the time. Go to the break room. Would you hear what she did today? Wow. Boy, that's good. Have you heard anything else? How's she treating someone else? You know, all of a sudden all this fellowship goes on and it's terrible. It's terrible. 
It's destructive. God says, if you're my child, don't. Oh, well, I'm only saying what's true, God. I know, he said, I know. He, I, remember, I know what's true. Don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. Is it helping them? No, no. This is the quietest I've ever heard it in church. <laughs> it is absolutely the quietest I've ever heard it uh, in church. And so, uh, but now slander it goes a step further. It's deliberately passing on false information. Uh, Jesus ranks slander among the most serious and destructive of sins. Look at what he said in Matthew 15. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. Slander also includes um, assuming the worst possible motives for other people's intentions and refusing to give people the benefit of the doubt uh, and telling this out loud to other people. Well, I was at the grocery store the other day and I saw her and she did not even speak to me. She never liked me. I know why she did that. Oh, really? You know that. You know what? It could just be that she's, you know, got bad eyesight and she's looking for the peanut butter. Why do, do, do you naturally ascribe motive to other people and then do you naturally ascribe bad motive to other people? That's called judging and God says don't do it. Don't do it. Uh one of the most well-known verses in the Bible today is judge not that you be not judged, except we misuse that and misinterpret it. He's not saying don't be wise. He's not saying don't think about people or situations. He's not saying don't make assessments about life. Jesus himself said we're to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves. We're wise as serpents but harmless as doves. But he said the minute you begin to ascribe motive, I know why you did. I know why they did. Now, the reason they did this was because, you know, all of our, all of our news is just slander and gossip these days. It ascribes motive. Now, the reason he did this or the reason she did that, I mean, you pick your public servant of, of uh, preference, they're all getting sliced and diced and people are ascribing motive. And, but God, here's what God says about that. He said, look at number four. Let me, well, let me just give you the fourth way. We, it just dovetails right into this. We, will not, we should not join in condoning or condemning anyone rashly without a hearing. Now, this is killing us in our country. It's killing our friendships and relationships. It's killing us in our families. It's killing our, our neighborhoods and our neighborhood associations. It's killing us in our churches. It's killing us in our communities. And it's killing us nationally in the national conversation. We condemn people rashly without a hearing. But here's what God says in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 5. You want to pop that one back up on the screen. Thank you. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. You say, well, what's ahead of time? Well, any time before the Lord returns. Oh, is he back yet? He's not back yet. He says, so... Don't make judgments about people's motives. Don't condemn them yourself. And it, he says, that's my job. Listen to this. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one what, whatever praise is due or not due. 
Innocent until proven guilty is one of the foundational points of our Western legal system and philosophy. Innocent until proven guilty. It is a Bible idea. It is a God idea. It's lifted right out of the teachings of the Scripture. Innocent until proven guilty. God says in Proverbs 18 verse 17, The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. Now, this is a huge challenge for us as individuals, isn't it? It is, isn't it? To not just immediately judge. It's hard for us to assume innocence until proven guilty. We assume guilt until proven innocent, and then we don't really like that. We really wanted them to be guilty. That's even worse. But it's a huge challenge for our society as well. See, we, don't, we practice trial by Twitter every day. Every day. Trial by Facebook. Trial by Internet. And almost no one can survive that. And God says, if you're, if you're my people, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, the Heidelberg Catechism goes on in its explanation of the, of the Ninth Commandment and adds, uh, adds this. Rather, all of a sudden it takes a positive turn. Then what, here's what we don't do and what I will not do. Now here's what I do. Number five, rather in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. I have told you a million times that people are compulsive exaggerators. At least a million. Uh, some of us make promises we don't intend to keep. Some of us tell stories, and we, you know, we tell stories. And again, us pastors are the, some of the worst. We tell stories about things that have happened to us, and and we put it in ways that make us look at just even just a little better light than we really are. You know what that's called? It's called breaking the ninth commandment. I mean, we all like to we all like to keep the do, the the porch swept clean in front of our own door. Uh, we always want to present ourselves in a better light. And let's not even talk about developing our resumes. But we, he said, uh, God just says, avoid it. Avoid it. Look at Proverbs twelve twenty two. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. So what does God expect? Well, again, let me sum it up this way from the Heidelberg Catechism. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it, and I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Rather than bearing false witness against my neighbor, I proactively do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name, even when we know things that are true about them that are bad. We want to bless them, not harm them. Instead of giving false witness or false testimony, we do all that we can to protect our neighbor's good name. And so, well, who's who's my neighbor? Well, somebody asked that one time. They asked it of Jesus, and he basically defined it as everybody in the whole world is your neighbor and even your enemies. Wow, that's radical. Even our enemies. Now, in Proverbs 22, the Bible says this, A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. You know, a good name can take a lifetime to build and a single hour to lose, especially today. All it takes, all it takes for you to lose your good name 
is one or more or just a few judgmental, malicious people on the internet and scores of other people who believe what they say about you. And you're done. You're done. Dogwood Church, as we've said earlier, exists to make more and better Christ followers who love God and love people. Jesus would say that the ninth commandment is more than just about not lying. It includes loving our neighbor as ourself. Mark 12, 31, he said, The second commandment, greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other command greater than these. So telling the truth about our neighbor to and about our neighbor and seeking to protect the good name of other people is one of the ways that we followers of Jesus love other people as we love ourselves. We, we look out for them. We look out for them. Now, this also includes telling the truth about God. Uh, I don't think there's anyone more misrepresented in the world than God. He gets blamed for all kinds of things. He's get described. Well, I like to think of God as, mm, be careful what you say about God. That's why we encourage you here to be people of His Word. Spend your life immersing yourself in, in His Word, learning what it, God is teaching you about Himself, who He is, what He's really like, what He does, what He does not do, what He does not do. First um, Samuel fifteen twenty nine says, The Eternal One of Israel does not lie. God gets blamed for all kinds of things. And I, I hear people in times of suffering, and I hear and, uh, like Auburn fans yesterday saying all kinds of things about God. And um, it, it just... No, 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 no. Especially those of you like me who were called by God to be teachers about Him, communicators about Him to other people, we better be very careful. That's why he says, study to show yourself approved. One who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. If you're a life group leader for adults or students or children, you better be careful. You better be careful that you're telling the truth about God because people's lives and eternities, the fate of communities and nations depend upon it. Just read the history books. Jesus rightly understood and rightly followed is the source of the greatest blessing for mankind. Jesus wrongly understood and wrongly followed produces incredible pain and suffering. Tell the truth about God. It includes that... As well, you can live a life that wins if you tell the truth completely, uh, consistently, compassionately, considerately, and carefully. Tell it completely. Proverbs ten ten says, "Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble." Tell it consistently. Ephesians four fifteen says, "Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly." Speak it compassionately. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in a spirit of love. Don't use the truth as a club. Don't beat people over the head with the truth. There are, there are uh, men and women in my life and uh, family, friends, people who have grown up in our church uh, 
who um, identify with the LGBTQ plus community. People I love, they love me, but they, they sadly come to me and talk about, and this is the term that's used, the clobber passages. And they say, people have clobbered me over the head with these things. Now, I'm, I'm very clear. You know, I think the Bible's very clear about sexual ethics. I think, I, I think sexual immorality is defined as any sexual activity, activity uh, outside the bond of a marriage between a man and a woman is defined in Scripture. I mean, that, that's not news. I've been teaching that for years. But I pray that I can do that with genuine love to those who disagree with me over it. It got quiet again in here. But speak the truth in love. If you don't love, if you don't love people, just be quiet. Don't tell them you're a Christian of all. Don't blame, you know, if you're, don't be a jerk for Jesus. You, you know, you're not helping anybody here. Uh, there are those like the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. We're going to come to that parable in June or July. And, uh, and, and he, he said, I, he liked to tell the truth. He said, he liked to say to his brother, I'm right and you're wrong and I really like telling you about it. And I find Christians who are not very attractive because they love to go around and say, I'm right and everybody else is wrong and I love telling them about it. I, I, no, be careful. Be careful there. Don't beat people up with the truth. Do it lovingly. So how do I know if I'm speaking the truth in love? Let me give you one more strategic question to ask yourself. Jot this down. Ask the question, by my saying this, who am I trying to benefit? Am I trying to make myself feel better? Am I trying to look smarter? Am I trying to win an argument? Trying to win the war? I'm trying to put somebody in their place, teach them a lesson. Who am I trying to benefit? It's all I, 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 I. No, God says this. God says this about the truth in Ephesians 4.29. Speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do it carefully, considerately. Proverbs 12.19 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Think think before you speak. Pray for self-control. Proverbs 16.23 says this, Intelligent people think before they speak. Now God said that. I did just talk to him about it. He said that right there. So why don't, why don't we do these things? It's because our, we have a heart problem. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 12. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I mean, when the pressure's on and you open your mouth, what's in your heart comes out. What's in my heart comes out. So the real problem is not here, my mouth. The real problem is here, my heart. And Jesus said this again in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. He's saying the heart of the issue when it comes to lying is a matter of the heart. We need new hearts. 
Those of us who have been given a new heart need for that heart to continue to be transformed by the the grace of God. Jesus said, if you will let me, I will fill your heart uh, with love instead of selfishness, joy and peace instead of hate, confidence instead of insecurity, energy and power instead of laziness. Jesus said, I am the truth. So the closer we get to Jesus, the more we will love the truth, speak the truth, live the truth lovingly and with better impact. So how do I do this practically? Well, the scriptures say in 1 John, little book of 1 John, way back over in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, that if you pray anything in accordance with God's will, He hears you and will answer that prayer. That's promise. And so does it not make sense that you might take this command... Exodus 20:16 and maybe the words of the explanation in the Heidelberg Catechism and turn it into a daily prayer. If this is a besetting sin for you, breaking this and then you just start praying, okay, well Lord, I'm asking you then, would you change my heart, creating me a clean heart, a new heart, oh God, and would you help me and turn me into the kind of person who, that I never give false testimony against anyone. Help me that I twist no one's words. Help me not to gossip today and slander today. Uh, help me not join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, Lord, in court and everywhere else, help me to avoid lying and deceit of every kind. Help me to love the truth, speak it candidly and openly acknowledge it and help me today, empower me today and motivate me today uh, to do what I should and can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. That is in alignment with the will and the ways of God. If you ask anything according to His will, He hears you. And if you know that He hears you in your request, you know that you have the answer to the prayer that you have asked. Does that not make sense? Pray Scripture back to God. Find what His will is in the Scripture and then pray it for yourself. And He says, yes, I'll do that. For in Philippians 2, remember, He says, it is is God who is at work in you both to desire and to do what pleases Him. Help me, me, God, rescue me. We have a rescuer in Christ. And so maybe you want to start by praying with me now. Let's pray right where you are. Those of you who are Christians but like me, struggle with lying and not telling the truth all the time, violating this commandment, pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, help me to tell the truth completely, consistently, lovingly, tactfully. I admit that I'm a liar and I have lied. I ask you to forgive me. Give me the power to change Give me a new heart. Help me to be more concerned about my character than my reputation. To be more concerned in pleasing you than in pleasing other people. Now for those of you who are not yet Christians, not followers of Jesus, you may want to pray this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm not going to play games with that any longer. I know that I have failed the moral test and fallen short of perfection and I know that I will stand and give an account of my life today before you. So, I now turn back, I turn my back on my sin and I turn toward you, Lord Jesus. I ask you, 
on the basis of what you did when you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead, that you be the one who pays for my sin instead of me, that you be my Savior, that you forgive me, that you rescue me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to be your follower. I want to be a part of your family. And I want to live with you the rest of my life. Be the master of my life. And Lord, I want to thank you for hearing these prayers. I want to thank you for saving us, making a way to change us. Would you continue your work in us, we pray. And we will praise you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give. 